Hello, and welcome to the Holograms Media Club. Geeks. We're Will and, and Gavin Grant. Spelled like the cracker, not the coke. A couple of cousins that love speculative fiction in all its forms. Books and audiobooks. Yeah, sure, books are great. Movies and TV shows. You have been watching too many TV shows. Board, tabletop, and video games. Tools. Collectibles, toys, and more. You nerds. This all started years ago when we were suggesting so many sci-fi books to each other, we had to make a list. I've got a little list. I've got a little list. The list is gone, but its spirit lives on. And while we'll focus on audiobooks, we will be talking all geek media. Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. The format is simple. I'll give Gavin a book that I've read. Read it. I'll read it. We'll discuss it. Let's discuss this. And I'll give Will a book. And the cycle will repeat. Think of it as a book club for the 21st century with side quests and rants. What do you mean, psychotic rant? All right, welcome to episode seven of the Holograms Media podcast with me, Gavin. Yours truly, William. And our special guest star. I don't know that I'd say star, but yeah, special guest, Aaron. <laughs> I'd say star. You, you've seen the hosts, so. <laughs> Fair enough. So we're talking about a book that Aaron gave us. We're talking about William Gibson's The Peripheral, which is the first in a new trilogy by Gibson. It's called the Jackpot Trilogy, I think. It's yeah, I don't know one. that there's a... Uh, I, I guess maybe a name has been has been given to it. But yeah, The Peripheral is the first, and then uh, Agency is the second, and he's currently writing another one. Right. Yeah, so this is a book that was given to us. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. it. It was definitely a book that invites you into a second listen or a read for sure. You're going to want to, as soon as you finish it, yes. probably start it right back up again and try to figure out now that you know what happened or like the lingo, you're going to go back and actually understand like the whole first, probably third of it a lot better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that that sure. happens with, with Gibson a lot. Um, Gibson's, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, that was something that you said to me, Gavin, and it's, and it's something that I've always thought that he really just throws you right in. Yeah, and he really does. You yeah. kind of have to, you know, grab on and just <laughs> go with it. And eventually, you know, the lingo will start to make sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's always been like that. And I said, I, I told Will when we were talking about this, I said, I'm excited for Gibson, but he's a difficult book. He's a difficult author. He's not hard, but he throws you in with no ceremony. Yeah. I mean, the so. first time that I read Neuromancer, um, you know, it was it was a case of picking it up and putting it down over the course of, you know, maybe a year. Right. And I, I finished it and I was like, I have absolutely no idea what, what happened, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and I didn't read any more of his for a while. And then one year around Christmas, I was down visiting my sister, you know, we're out shopping and I just picked up a paperback of Pattern Recognition. Oh, and man. I read through that in like a day and yeah. that I really think is my, I call that my Rosetta stone to Gibson. Right. Um, you know, once I, once I had read through that, I, I really kind of got what he was doing and I ended up going back and rereading right. you know, Neuromancer, everything else. And he's just been one of my favorites ever since. Yeah. Yeah. He's really, yeah. <laughs> so this is Will's first Gibson, right? Well, I was going to say, this is, I have to admit, I, as you were saying with Neuromancer's story, 
similar thing happened to me where I it was on the list, the original list that inspired oh, yeah. this podcast. Right. Yeah. And it was like one of the first books I think that I tackled on the list. And I was like, fuck, man, Gavin's giving me these books. I don't think I can keep up with him. <laughs> and I got like I have to say I only got about a halfway in there and I was like, I gotta go on to the next book and I can't right. remember what the next one was and I I never went back to Neuromancer. It's one right. that I still have and it's um It's day will come. Always been there. Yeah, it's always been there as like one that I need to go into. And yeah. Especially after reading this, I'm like, damn it, why have I not get, gotten back into Neuromancer yet? Right. And now I'm excited for what was it, pattern? Pattern, pattern recognition. recognition. Yeah. Recognition. Yeah. yeah. That's that remains one of my favorites. Um and I and I yeah. do think it's maybe one of the most accessible, and that's probably why it, you know, was the one for me. Yeah. Uh because it's probably the closest to a a present day um less out there kind of sci-fi story i don't i in fact i don't even know how much i would say it's sci-fi that's true yeah i was i would have said blue ant was probably more i haven't read pattern recognition in a long time but the well the pattern recognition is part of the blue ant. yeah right yeah but yeah. it just is the whole thing but that's that was all very that was all post 9 11 that yeah. was his first books post 9 11 and that yep I felt like there and was that a figures in into it as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I felt like there was a change in his not general style, but yeah, that's something I've noticed. Yeah, that people have said he was hardcore sci-fi, and then he switched up for a little bit, and then he's gotten this is the book that's kind of gotten him back into that more traditional or not traditional, but his more the way yeah. that he used to write, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this is, is definitely more out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah, um, yeah, I dug it. I, I dug it. It was a it was a difficult read. I don't think the narrator was the yeah. right person for it. Um, but I will say, after about, I I started it and I I hit rewind. I hit rewind. I hit rewind. I hit rewind. Mm-hmm. Fifteen seconds back. Fifteen seconds back. A lot. And then after about maybe the first quarter of the book, I gave up and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna roll with it." I right. can't pick up on the details. I know I'm going to do this again. And then maybe about two thirds of the way through or three quarters of the way through it clicked. And yeah. I, I didn't dislike her anymore. I still don't think she was the right choice, but I didn't dislike her actively anymore. Yeah. Um, and then the second read through was fantastic. Like once I was catching details that I had no idea was there, like, and just all, I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah. So this, yeah, the, I had read it, um, on Kindle uh, when it first came out and this is the first time that I had been back to it. And yeah, I, I got a lot more out of it this time. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So this was only your second uh, read through, I guess. Mm-hmm. Then yep. Aaron. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely get a lot more out of it the second time. Like you were saying there, Gavin, I think also not only the narration was a little bit difficult, but, also just the subject matter and all of the new lingo that you're trying to take in. I think one thing in this book that was, that made it extra difficult was there's just so many characters, Yeah. which yeah, I think on one side was a drawback because it's just it, at least the first time around, even after going through the whole entire book, as it was wrapping up people's stories, I was like, I don't even know who this person is. And it was like a main character was like uh leon and it was her cousin and i was like i can't even remember how he fit into her yeah i was like and i should have you know going back 
and rereading it, I was like, oh, he's definitely like is something that you take in a lot easier. So I think uh, that was definitely a hard part, but then it also makes it more realistic because it's more world like, you know, it really yeah. builds a world that, like you said, he just throws you in and he doesn't um, dumb it down at all. It's mm. just you're in this world, you're along for the ride. And if if you can keep up, you're going to be <laughs> it's going to be hard to stay strapped down because it gets exciting, you know, different parts. Oh yeah. Are really cool. Just the different tech that he gets into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you pick things up from context sometimes and you, you know, after maybe the fourth or fifth reference, you start to get an idea of what it is that he's talking about, but he allows you to draw your own conclusions about a lot of these things. Yeah. Um, or even, you know, it might be, a third of the way through the book when you finally get, you know, a, uh, an actual explanation of what it is. Yeah. No, he'll, yeah, yeah it, it's the information's all there for you. You just have to find it yourself. That was right. It's, it's definitely a two in a row. I imagine agency is probably going to be, have you read agency yet, Aaron? So this is what agency I picked up, uh, at the beginning of last year. And I, you know, hard, hardcover um got Ooh, an through actual, an actual book yeah the actual <laughs> the actual book um yeah um, oh nice ordered oh, yeah ordered from uh waterstones in england so i could get the the signed version oh um, dope somewhere it is i don't know where it is yeah the sound of paper. I yeah, know. I know. Weird. It's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I was trying to read this at a time when my mom was in and out of the hospital a lot. And um, um, like I said to, to Gavin, you know, I, I've been listening to the audiobook. I was actually uh, last weekend spent about six hours on the road listening to agency. And I got to a point and I was like, Oh, this must be past what I, what I read. Um, because I didn't remember any of it. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh no, I, I remember this scene, but I uh, didn't remember anything <laughs> that came before it. So I must have just been turning pages without really absorbing anything because I was too preoccupied. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, it is yeah. an easy author to become preoccupied with. You got, <laughs> yeah. I, not, not in a detrimental or a bad way, but he is, it, you can zone out really quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's, Sometimes you'll just, you'll hear, uh, even for me, it was like you hear a piece of tech and your mind just starts off like, wow, like, where could that go? Like the scene with the Legos. Yeah. And I guess we should say spoiler alert yeah. if you're actually, <laughs> yeah, well, haven't read true. this book right. yet. We, we've only really been, we haven't spoiled anything yet, but uh, no. now we'll probably get into a few yeah. extra spoiler type stuff. So like the Legos, the nanotech that he got. Yeah. The, oh, the And it's just a real quick yeah. scene. Yeah. Like there's so many little hints to this cool technology that it's just a split second and if you yeah. zone out you could miss you totally like yeah. the, the glass over the rivers and like mm -hmm. yeah i don't know just all sorts of different stuff yeah. yeah and i don't we normally do sort of a breakdown or a synopsis of this of a book but i wouldn't even know where to begin with this because like you say there's so many characters in it and there's so much going on it's yeah well i mean it, at the at the root of it it's it's kind of the story of uh, Flynn Fisher, who right. lives in s some rural part of the U.S., yeah. uh, in 
and the, they don't give actual years uh, in this book. He's but, really careful not to, right? He hints at yeah, some stuff. We know he it's is. we know it's in the future. It's not the far flung future, mm-hmm. but it can't be any earlier than twenty twenty three, right? I worked that out because they said that the the collective or not the collective, but the the stub collectors can only come back to 2023. So we're at least Mm -hmm. two years ahead, but clearly we're farther ahead than that. But they never really say. So uh, if you read agency, you do actually get more information on that. So what I have put together from agency is that. So, so Flynn is, (laughs) uh, is um, doing this, this, assignment in place of her brother who needs to go off and do something else and uh it she's piloting a drone in what she thinks is a game and right comes to find out that what she's doing is an actual telepresence in a the future or a future depending on right <laughs> uh, how you approach it um so what we what we learn in agency is that that future that has now reached back is uh early 2130s so oh, and then okay. they they say that they are 70 some years on from from Flynn's time period so that is okay. that would make that about what 2070ish right okay yeah that feels about right so, okay yeah yeah okay yeah and it's you know it's it's definitely a ways in our future and you can kind of see right you know where we're headed in in some of those regards a lot of um oh yeah similar in some ways i think to how i could see us heading toward um the future of snow crash you know right uh but snow crash or snow piercer or snow crash snow crash snow crash neil Stevenson. Is that another gibson uh, Neil Stevenson, okay. yeah. Neil Stevenson. That's that's one that you read it. would kind of put up alongside Neuromancer as like um entry entry points or like I don't know iconic maybe. Um Yeah. Yeah. Th- those were starting points for me anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't cool. I it keeps getting recommended to me from well, simply everyone, and I right. just haven't got around to reading <laughs> and it. That's yet. why. That's yeah. yeah. No, it, it is. It's it's one of the big ones. It's yeah. It should be done. Yeah. Huh, nice. But so, as, you add know, that onto the list. Yeah. Yep. No, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so as it uh, as we you know discover uh, kind of the same as uh, as Flynn does, um, the people sometime in the future have discovered a way to communicate or exchange information with the past. Um, and this, it's something of a MacGuffin. It's one of the things that I like about it is that he doesn't <laughs> explain it at all because the people who are using it don't know how it works. They don't know how it happened. They just found it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he, he I love that. Yeah. Yeah. that, but it's, you know, it's great. And, and avoids the, typical you know time travel paradox or whatever because as soon as that contact is made the timelines diverge and you know that's they refer to these these times in the past that they're contacting as stubs because it's you know it's branching off from their timeline then in their past this didn't happen you know we 
as as Flynn is doing this job, she witnesses a murder. And then there are two competing uh, groups who are reaching back into her stub. Uh, one of them trying to wipe her out because of what she's seen and another one trying to protect her and have her identify whoever committed this this murder. Um, and everything blows up from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the big things that they refer to is the jackpot. Um, and that is whatever confluence of events. And they said it took place over the course of many years that resulted in the death of about 80% of humanity. Mm-hmm. It was a build, a slow buildup. It wasn't one major event, but like multiple, yeah, yeah. you know, not one pandemic, but multiple right. events that you could, and not coupled just with climate, climate change yeah. coupled yeah. with mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Pandemics. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting because the first time that I read through it, one of the, so one of the things that happens over the course of this is, um, you know, all of these two groups trying to affect things that happen in her stub. And over the course of it, they're just throwing more and more money into the whole thing. Like, okay, well, we, <laughs> you know, we've bought the mayor. Well, now they've bought the governor. Well, now we've bought the president. You know, we've bought controlling shares in hefty mart which is like the walmart of the day um and i remember the first time reading through it i thought well maybe this is maybe the jackpot is you know all of the money that they've thrown into this just completely destroying the economy and maybe that's what caused it and that's not really the case that was you know right just kind of my initial right thinking of that but um it makes sense though jack you hear jackpot and the the whole time you're like oh it's got something to do with money but it it destroys the world and right so that and well they do get they do get all the tech out of it like that's where all the advanced tech comes out of is out of the jackpot but they couldn't be the economy stuff because they're ruining somebody else's economy Mm -hmm. not their own Mm -hmm. (laughs) so this was this kept taking me back to when we were talking about primer um, which I still think everybody should go watch if you haven't watched oh, Primer. I love that. You should still I love watch that. Primer. I still don't understand it. I've seen it like eight times. I still don't get it. But <laughs> yeah, it's a good. Yeah. It's a great movie. Um, His second one, Upstream Color, is one of my very favorites. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I'll oh, have to look for that this that. weekend. Yeah, yeah. As it turns out, I got a couple of days off this week, so I'll yes. check that out. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, it's a COVID scare at work, so everybody's at home quarantining. <laughs> oh, so okay. yeah. So. <laughs> Um, could be my last episode. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> no, Alice had it going out on top. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm not invincible yet. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I kept trying to figure out one of the, and I need to just let it go. But who cares? Like what? Like these two competing agencies are throwing a lot of their own money. They can't mm-hmm. send us money, but they can. Con- they can because their computing power is 70 years more advanced than ours and Moore's law says that's got to be faster than balls. I think roughly is the technical term. Um, they can send us information on how to invest in the stock market and do stuff and manipulate things, not manipulate things here, Timely. but 
<laughs> figure things right. <laughs> yeah. uh, Gibson, I like I say, Gibson doesn't predict things, but it's eerie how much he gets right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. But why? Like I know Lev was like a stump collector or whatever they called him, mm-hmm. or a continuum enthusiast. But yeah, yeah, is that really? Is it just them playing games? When well, it comes so down to is, is it? This is the thing. Like, and and this is what I kind of realized about the term the jackpot this time through. Um, you know, they say that history is written by the winners. And so it's referred to as the jackpot because the people that survived it were the people who were already very well off and very powerful. Right. So and to them, you know, for 80% of the population who were probably, you know, largely just poor people to die off and leave everything else there for them to get all of the, you know, the tech advances that came from it. To them, it was a jackpot. And yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like you were saying, you know, what was the what was the point of all of this? You know, we it, ostensibly it's about um you know, this murder that that Flynn witnessed and uh, you know, people trying to find out, okay, who, who was it that committed this murder? And then the people that committed it trying to eliminate her so that she can't rat on them. And we get to the end and I honestly still don't know a hundred percent why the woman was killed. And but I think that just reinforces the point that this is this is all just trivial to them, to the people doing all of this, acting, you know, carrying this out from the future, the 2130s, everything that they're doing, which is, you know, the orders of magnitude, you know, greater than anything that anyone saw in the 2070s in Flynn's time period is just it's just a pastime to them right you know it's just god's plan it's not even a pastime it's it's a nothing to them because right they can just open up a new one and fuck around with it like they say that one guy vespasian yeah his whole thing was going into opening up new continuums and just having different civilizations battle each other so he could win the the weapons from whoever the winner was and take their weaponry back to like their time. Right. You know, right. The, the big, uh, that's where they get that red crazy washing machine that, uh, back. Right. Right. From. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The red washing machine. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, so agency is about one that they discover that he had opened up starting mm-hmm. in 2015. Oh, so agents agency takes place in 2017. Right. Okay. Um, and, it takes place in a timeline that he had manipulated so that Hillary Clinton had won the election in 2016 <laughs> and the Brexit vote had been to remain. <laughs> so, and so even, even before I started uh, getting to that uh, and remembered that that's what it was about, I had already been thinking, you know, <laughs> What if, uh, what if QAnon is just someone from the future <laughs> posting all of this stuff just to fuck with our timeline? That's funny. You know? <laughs> like, right. It could be. It would explain right. a lot, right? Right. Like, right. You know, it's yeah. A, it's somebody, a, somebody in the future playing silly buggers with no, no consequences to them in any way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Ah, uh, that's yeah, funny. scary thing to think. Yeah. And it's very yeah. possible with all of the different... It would explain a lot. If you think multiverse <laughs> theories. Well, right. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, I mean, this came out of uh, a friend and I talking about, you know, simulation theory. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is the idea that we're we're just living in a simulation. And it's not that far removed from the concept. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking... He did a... I'm still having trouble with all the time stuff. Like I don't like, I don't have my head wrapped around that completely, but I, I thought I found a break. I thought it was broken, but it's not because you can't have information travel faster than the speed of light. Right. Like you can't, that's the thing. Like you can't do that. Right. You can't, you can't have information travel faster than the speed of light. And I thought that he had broken that by them being able to transfer information back to us. But they're six days apart. No, well, it's they're six hours apart. They're six hours apart. Six hours. Six hours apart. Okay, that's right. But we're also one for one. An hour here is an hour there. Mm -hmm. So that information is actually traveling within the realm of actual real time anyway. anyway. So he didn't break the universe there. I thought I caught him, but I didn't. (laughs) No. No, I I don't. I don't claim that I could. I just thought I had. (laughs) Right. Gibson Gibson's done this more than I have. So. <laughs> yeah. In regards to like your MacGuffin, like the uh, why they would even open up like a another continuum, or w- what's the whole purpose behind that? Is also Gibson had said that like one of the things that he loves about writing books or like reading books is like technology that doesn't really get explained. Like it's just yeah. like the internet. Like people use the internet, and it's people exploit it to do all sorts of things that they never would have thought it was invented for in the first place. And so his whole thing was this continua, like who cares where it comes from or if it's a secret server that is made up in China, like it, people are going to, if it's a thing, somebody out there is going to be using, especially this rich, you know, Russian guy that has all of the money at his exposure, like exposal and, and his family, I think, is behind it, too. Like, he's doing it for his family, right? Like, he's for his brother or something like that. He's kind of scouting out yeah. all of the different continua. Kind of, yeah. He's, what he's Lev like, was doing. Lev he's, is like a... Uh, a gentleman of leisure. Basically, yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what it is, you know. And he, he like finds the fun the, for his family. Yeah. He yeah. just, yeah. You know, there, his family is much more involved in the... Uh, you know, the operations of the, the clept as they call it, the kleptocracy uh, right. uh, in their own time and maintaining the, the family's wealth. Um, and he's just somebody who likes to dick around with this stuff. Right. So. Just a continuum enthusiast just cause. Yeah, why not? exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> exactly. very, I, I kept thinking back on, which is another author that I, I keep going back to is Terry Pratchett. He has, um, there's a lot of gods in his, Discworld universe and a lot of the time they really are just playing games but we're the figures right and it was yeah i mean that goes back to greek mythology too well yeah well no well absolutely this all the time yeah no totally (laughs) it was we're just pawns and it was Mm -hmm. really in that that whole continuum enthusiast thing is just them fucking with us because they can i i don't know that i wouldn't like right 
Right. Right. You or know, maybe that's what a, Sims is. We do it with the Sims, right? Like yeah, everybody yeah. builds a pool and then takes a ladder away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember uh, playing the Sims at one point, And uh, I don't know if you've read, you've talked about Philip K. Dick on here. If you've read yeah. uh, The Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch. I'm not. Okay. So that one involves uh, people who are colonists on Mars. And they're their lives on Mars are so dull and so boring. The only way that they can stay sane doing that is they take this drug and they play with these uh, miniature play sets, which, (laughs) and, and when they take the drug, they, they project themselves into this. So they are very much absorbed in these miniature play sets uh, and it reminds them of being on Earth. And the the first time, well, not the first time, but at one point playing The Sims, you know, and I'm I'm playing this Sim who is getting up and you know going to his job and and all this stuff, and I I I flashed to that, book. and I thought, my God, is this is this what I've done my life so bad that I'm playing a a simulation of right. <laughs> you know, of a normal work day, like my right. day to day, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, um, I mean, ultimately, that's what all games are, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> sort of. I yeah. mean, at the end, like, yeah, that's why. I, that's why you I don't like replicate re- GTA in real life. <laughs> Some people have <laughs> sign me up. I think that's why I don't like resource management games because I do it all day at work anyway. I don't like. Right. I don't really feel like <laughs> like Subnautica is a great game, but I can only take about two hours of it before I feel like, fuck, I just got to go shopping for fish. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you um, played uh, Papers, Please. No, somebody. <laughs> I might have that in my library, but I haven't paid it. Played it. Yeah, yeah. You know, talk about a, a game that simulates the drudgery of work. <laughs> Dear God, that's funny. Yeah, that's Papers, funny. Please. Yeah. Homework for next week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's. Oh, oh, I can't think of the name of it. Oh crap! I have it. And I actually have a game running of it. <clears throat> it takes 400 days to play. Like okay. you're you're a you're a little you're a little dude, and your job is to wake up a god. He says, "Wake me up in 400 days." So in 400 <laughs> days, you have to go back and wake the god up. In the meantime, you can just kind of wander around some caverns. There's in this game, and it, I think it's called the waiting or the waitening. Dear God. Oh, uh, so there's actually a copy of Moby Dick. <laughs> in a bookshelf <laughs> in this game and you can literally read it while you're waiting your 400 days. <laughs> That's, there's all sorts uh, of other stuff you can do, but not a lot. Basically you really do. You start a game and you could start a game and just come back 400 days later and wake the God up and win the game. <laughs> but in the meantime, you can just wander the cavern. You can collect little bits of coal. You can do some like cave drawings. You can literally read Moby Dick. But that's that's the object of the game is to wait 400 days and wake up to God, like that's it. Anticipation would be killing. Yeah, I know, right? I have, I got it, and I have it running in the background right now. So I think I've got, I think I have like 300 300 days left, and I'll tell you how it goes. Let us know if you read Moby Dick. Yeah, no, (laughs) it's an audio book. I don't read it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that actually. So, like you were saying. 
you know the the narrator for this is maybe not um maybe not the best and compound that with the number of characters yeah and the fact that you know you don't necessarily get distinctive voices for a lot of the characters is one of the things that makes it hard to keep track of yeah um, yeah and there's so much new so many new words and so much new tech and so many new things that you just get dumped right on you out of nowhere. Like Luke four five doesn't, they don't say, Oh, "Oh, Luke four five is this bad thing. They're just like, Oh, he, he, Burton went off to go fuck up Luke four five. Right. I I don't know what that means. And yeah, ultimately you get, you know, it's, it's like the Westboro Baptist church, you know? Well, no, yeah, very clearly it's the Westboro Baptist church. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I looked it up. Lorelai King is actually Mm. an accomplished actress um, and she's won a lot of awards for her voice acting and a lot of awards for reading books. She's on, and this is this trips me out because we're back to a connection here. She's on fucking Bob the Builder. <laughs> oh, <no way. laughs> she's okay. Wendy. She's Wendy on Bob the Builder. And longtime listeners will know that um <laughs> That uh, the the reader Old for Scalzi's book, Old Man's War, William DeFries was Bob the Builder. So we have oh, wow. we have this really weird. <laughs> our show has this really weird connection to Bob the Builder somehow. It keeps coming up. That's too funny. <laughs> but another one is she was on a show that I mentioned. I think last episode on the Neverwhere. There's a guy named Lenny Henry that got Neil Gaiman to write Neverwhere. He was on a show called Chef. Lorelai King was on the show called Chef. She was in the third season on that show. So again, we have all these British comedians are all tied in this tiny little knot and they keep coming up. But how about Bob the Builder, man? Bob the Builder coming up twice big on our show. I feel like I feel we need like to- my next book, I got to research Bob the Builder. I know, right? Pick That's, a book from there. I need a Bob the Builder t-shirt. <laughs> keep it going. So yeah, but yeah- um, she, so she is an accomplished voice actor. She's an accomplished actress. She's in tons of shit. Her her uh, page on her uh, Wikipedia page is long as hell. I just oh. don't think she was a good match for this. So more voices, but that would have been hard for anybody. I think yeah. the amount of voices in this, unless you were going to yeah. do a full cast, I think is really asking a lot of any voice actor. No, I agree. I agree. I, I think, um, you know, maybe where I stumbled with it a little bit was uh, – just for having read it before, um, her Wilf Netherton voice was not yeah. not nearly the way that I imagined him. Um, yeah. Although I did, by the time it was over, I did appreciate at least that his voice was recognizable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A little bit different. Yeah. 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 But it wasn't who you would picture at all when you when she when he describes wolf never netherton it's not yeah yeah the voice yeah. that you would assign him it's hard though i i, I read a or i listened to a q a with william gibson on youtube that was pretty interesting and he talked about as he was writing the book that he had issues or trouble with distinguishing the two characters also like they they bled into each other. He said he would start writing and Netherton would all of a sudden start sounding like Flynn and he'd have to hmm. go back and like revise a bunch of it and vice versa. So, and he said hmm. too, like the, the way that it was written with like the short chapters yeah, kind of threw him off too. like it, 
it wasn't planned out that way. It just kind of started happening. And then halfway through, he was like, actually, this is really working for the story. Yeah. But it, at first, like it was the way that it was short chapters, like his writing would bleed into the next one. Huh. And, uh, right. I think that that could have hindered it a little bit in that aspect. But. Right. Maybe that was that was one of the things that I appreciated in the way that it was written was that it, you know, it, it would jump between the two time periods or between the two perspectives uh, at each chapter, even if, you know, it, we might go to Flynn's time period from Wilf's perspective in The Wheelie Boy or to, you know, a, a chapter on Flynn, but she's in the peripheral in Wilf's right. time period. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. I hadn't made that connection that it was just bouncy the whole way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So speaking of uh, voices and, you know, what you imagine, what you picture, um, Ainsley Lobier, who do you see? I see like a Glenn Close or... Yeah, Judy Judy Dench. (laughs) Tilda yeah, Judy Dench is a good one. Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Who's Tilda Swinton? I know the name. I'm drawing a blank. Oh Lord. Um. Uh, what was the last thing that I saw? So I always think Ooh, of. Um, that's good. That's she was good. in the the Suspiria <laughs> remake. Uh, yeah. That. So that was oh, actually strange. Doctor yeah. Strange. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Snowpiercer. Yeah. Was she? Uh, yeah. I still haven't seen that. Um, Ooh, that's a good one. But so that's apparently that was uh, that was just who I kept imagining, and I and I think for some reason it was the uh, you know the the white forelock yeah you know, that he was describing for whatever reason that was what I was seeing, and he has apparently said that that was always who he imagined. Oh, that's funny! Awesome. Yeah. Her doing an impression <laughs> of someone, and I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but that's funny. Yeah, he, yeah. so we'll apparently, you know, there's a there's a Amazon yeah. TV series of this uh, in the works, uh, yeah. Which I guess at the uh, Q and A that he had uh, on Monday or Tuesday, um, right? Yeah, because you did the, the you did the of, thing, yeah, yeah. The paperback of Agency just came out, so he had a. Q&A online with uh, Corey Doctorow and <laughs> apparently the pre it's in pre-production in London for that part of it and he doesn't know where the uh, I guess they don't have anything hmm. picked for where the US part is going to be right uh, that is cool damn I didn't know about this show that's exciting it could yeah, be but we'll see yeah. if they can actually get Tilda Swinton for it that would be cool so. that would be cool <laughs> I know I'm right ca- I'm cautiously optimistic. If they do it right, and if they throw enough money into the budget, it could be really, really good. It could be good. I, like I said, I saw that the the first episode was written by Scott B. Smith, uh, who wrote the novels for The Ruins and A Simple Plan, uh, which huh. are both both very good. And then he also adapted his own book of the ruins and wrote the screenplay for the movie of that huh so and he's done a few other things adapting other people's works so i guess they've decided he's very good at doing that right we'll see 
I hope yeah, so. Another thing to be optimistic about. Yeah, right. That's not on Netflix, so we've got that going for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that could be cool. I did like there was this is sort of coming out of nowhere, but I did like there was one part I bookmarked it. I forgot to bring it back up, but they were talking about reality shows and trying to explain to Netherton what reality shows were. Oh yeah, yeah. And and he said that he remembered something like that, but it got sort of mixed in with politics and then politics became a reality show and, and everything else. And Flynn says, I think that already happened here. Yeah. And this was written in 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah. it was already happening. Like yeah. it was already, and it's become even more than that. So yeah. again, Gibson, not necessarily predicting things, but totally called it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I did think that was very almost prescient in some level. So yeah, in, in yeah. so many ways, he is, has yeah. turned out to be prescient. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just, un- well, and this really was, one of the complaints I've read about this book that people didn't like is that it it celebrates capitalism, right? I mean, it's basically, at it, it sort of, and I don't know that I totally agree with this, but at the end of the day, money solved the problem. Like, Well, it solved the immediate problem. Right. But- you know, what additional problems did it create? Right. You know, but it did. Uh, it, it's just, it's, and I don't think that Gibson is celebrating capitalism, but right. I think that, yeah, he's, I, think I, think that he's I think there's a warning. Demonstrating. In it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, somebody had, somebody had said that that was, that was their complaint. Hmm. Well, whatever. That's crazy because they, he was trying, they were trying to stop, the jackpot from happening is what low bears like end goal is right like back in the the stub and it seems like everything that they were doing was basically leading to them stopping how it would happen for their future like how it happened in their reality but it's still gonna what they ended up doing introducing all of like that commerce in that area completely mm-hmm. changed everything so like you were saying yeah. it almost seems like that is the reason for the name jackpot, like in their version of the future, like it fits perfectly because right. like he right. won the yeah. jackpot and it changed everything like after uh-huh. that day. So uh-huh. it, it's, it makes you think like I, before hearing about agency, I was like, Oh, what about this stub thing? If they were, were somehow wrong and it, and this few past like really did lead to their future somehow, or even though you do have like the characters that are like best, Vespasian or whatever that it is are so it proves that there are separate stubs but I was like well what if this stub led to their to their reality their presence you know (laughs) right that'd be interesting yeah Yeah. turn of events (laughs) yeah and I I I do kind of wonder if uh if that's what we're gonna see in the third book is is some kind of Hmm. you know consequences for it because the 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 point that I've just gotten to in agency, um, which honestly, like this is probably the most uh, the most sequel sequel that he's ever written, hmm. um, because what I noticed in most of his other books is that it, the second book will take place in the same setting, but follow completely different characters. Um and then in the third book, you may see the you may see them come together. Uh, 
now in the second one, it doesn't follow Flynn Fisher anymore. Again, this takes place in a stub in 2017. But we have Netherton again. We have Lobier. We have Ash. We have all the same people from the future. And we have characters from uh, Flynn's stub reappearing. And we, you know, we do see uh, a little bit more of, of what's happened in Flynn's stub, you know, four or five years down the line. Hmm. Um, but one of the things that's that's happening in there is that uh, Lev's family has come to him with great concern for what Lobier is doing. Um, and so maybe what maybe the fear is that it may actually have some effect on their timeline interesting huh yeah that's yeah. crazy low bear is a very interesting character like i i have um, written in my notes who the hell is low bear because like the way it talks about her this entity like yeah yeah you she's so old i don't i just don't understand is she like part of the I don't know, like the network or something like that. Like this, she's maybe is a peripheral that's being controlled by like, she's, I don't know. It just makes me think that she's not human some way. Well, yeah. And I think that she's probably, she's definitely very old because what we learn later on is that she, her, her previous self, the person that becomes Lobier is alive in and is a character playing in, Flynn's timeline um and was Gre- was a Griff. man at that t- at that Griff. period of time yeah. yeah 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 it's like what the hell <laughs> right right, right. and so, uh Clovis as well there's these two very very old people yeah. who you know have basically have some kind of technology keeping them alive um hmm. and she you know Lobier probably I think would say you know is not necessarily even human anymore um, especially with her connections to like the police network and everything like that. Yeah. She yeah. doesn't just simply work for the Met, right? My first read through, I had it in my head or my first listen through, I had it in my head that Lobier was a Perry. And I was like, yeah, oh, it makes yeah. sense. And then the second time I was like, wait, I don't know where I got that. Clearly she's <laughs> not. But then it was like, well, what the fuck is she? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so there's kind something I thought, not- yeah, I thought, I missed. I guess I missed. But heard, right. I guess I misheard something, and not the whole first read through, but maybe for the first half. I just had it in my head that Lobier had been a Perry, and I just thought that oh, that's just what that is. Yeah. And then on the second one, I was like, okay, well, she's not a Perry, but she's not a regular person either, and she's not just like in spec ops or something like that. There's something yeah. else going on. I wonder if she's from another future farther ahead. Hmm. And come back to, so, but I don't know. I don't (laughs) like, I don't, I'm not even saying I speculate that, but I wonder if there's something else there. And then it turns out she's Griff, which I'm sure like sex change is a thing and I'm not shitting on that, but what? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, you live that long, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I've done this. Let me try something else. Yeah. Try something else. But it, it could explain if she's, if she's a Perry or in a parry or whatever, then it could explain that that was just the, the available body at the time. And then I yeah. guess once you're kind of in a parry for a while, you don't want to give that one up, right? Flynn and Connor both showed that they didn't want to give that. And Burton too, didn't want to give up their individual parries. They, yeah. they 
Connor especially. Yeah, you can understand. Well, yeah, yeah, no, well, yeah, that. even more so for Connor. But it it does seem like you get kind of. It's like your car, right? Like I don't want to share my car with anybody, right? right. But even right. more so, right? Like that. Yeah, yeah. So maybe no, I do. maybe that's Lobier's thing, but I don't know. I don't. Yeah. But I I did wonder if there is a if there is a farther future coming that's back a, a really step, and then idea. that future coming yeah. back another step. Because why not? Why couldn't right? Exactly. You do that? Like what? Exactly. What rule would that break? There's yeah. so. Yeah. I don't know. I do like uh, the line a bit where she kind of describes what she does. And, you know, Netherton says, uh, may I ask you what it is that you actually do? And Lobier says, you pride yourself on not knowing who employs you rather behind (laughs) the curve in that I might pride myself where I so inclined on not knowing what it is I do. He says, literally. And she says, if one has a sufficiently open mind about it, certainly. I was an intelligence officer early in my career. In a sense, I suppose I still am, but today I find myself enabled to undertake investigations as I see fit into, should I so deem them, matters of state security. Simultaneously, I'm a law enforcement officer, or whatever that means in as frank a kleptocracy as ours. I sometimes feel like an antibody, Mr. Netherton, one protecting a disease. Yeah. (laughs) And that's that's something that we we see a little bit more of in agency is again, I said, in a way, she is in the employ of Lev's family, um, but not completely. And, and she's more powerful than just that. Well, there, yeah, well, there's that. And then she's also like, she's had memories removed, right? Like she right, comes right out yeah. and says that. And there's this thing with the candles does something because the candles mm-hmm. aren't just for oh, ambiance, yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's right. not. Well, and that is, I think they even make a nod to it being aromatherapy, which you right. know, they say that that smell is most closely linked to memory. Right. So, yeah, that. So she does, she, she visits Clovis to, to have some memories reimplanted. So there's, there's obviously even more tech that we could visit. But yeah, but there's something going on with Lobir. So I yeah. don't know what Lobir is, but yeah, certainly the the most uh, enigmatic, yeah, of the characters. Well, and the beauty of Gibson is he might not answer these questions. Like, right, he might like <laughs> like he could. You could just read the third book when it comes out and just be like, I still don't know what the fuck Lobir is about. Like mm-hmm. that's that's you, entirely you, a very real possibility. Yeah, <laughs> free to draw your own conclusions. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting to see how long it is before someone. I mean, it's a completely different topic, but uh, <laughs> like Elon Musk comes around and takes over the garbage patch in the middle of the ocean. It's like, oh, that's a <laughs> right brilliant idea. I should make an island. Or I should make a continent out of that. Like. Right. Is a yeah. like you like you said he predicts the future. I mean, how long is it before somebody's taking nanotech, you know, like the um assemblers and having them reconstruct all of that plastic out there for something. Somebody has to be able to mm-hmm. utilize that for some sort of personal gain. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, you know. Well, it's all monetization it somehow. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And and ultimately, you know, we kind of find out that that was that was what was involved in why, you know, Alita was killed. Um, Maybe. Somehow. Well, we don't know I why. Still, we yeah. don't know why she was killed. She could have been killed for other reasons, but that's why Habib was 
doing what he was doing because he wanted to take over the patch and monetize the patch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, he was getting too close to Daedra too, right? So maybe Alita was caught him doing something with Daedra, is what maybe. kind of alluded to. Yeah, yeah, it and been, it might have even just yeah. been you know simple jealousy. You yeah, know, that, that, yeah, yeah. Daedra had her killed for that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, and Daedra is an interesting character too, with her wow. tattoos. I'm just some of that that tech that he gets into, but with her tattoos, uh, Gavin, you're a heavily tattooed <laughs> individual. Aaron, do you have any tattoos? I have one. What do you guys think about this tattoo that Ash has? The best part about it, I thought, was when it climbs off of her hand and goes onto Netherton, and they have that. Oh yeah, dialogue with the bird speak and the Germanic, where it's constantly changing and evolving. Where it was like the tattoos were like tech, where she's using them like Mm -hmm. as part of like her hacker sense, basically. Mm -hmm. That was just the and the whole thing where Daedra basically like gets her skin removed one after her stories completely (laughs) tatted on her, and she has these little mini dolls that people collect. I was like, oh man, I. I could see. I I thought about I thought about you doing that. I thought about you doing that. I was like, "Fucking Will's in." (laughs) Sign me up, dude. I would have a a whole lineup back on my shelf here of dolls. It'd be cool. What box do I have to subscribe to get that? (laughs) Yeah, Ash was. uh, Ash was like every goth chick that I ever had a crush on, but would have a terrible relationship with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Daedra was complete. Oh, I didn't like her at all. But Ash was cool, but I wouldn't want to hang out with her. <laughs> right. You could, you she could would see just treat you like shit all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You'd want to just be like her servant, like her slave. Right. Just taking advantage of Yeah. But would you guys get some tattoos like that? Some oh. movable tattoos? Fuck Absolutely. yes. Yeah. Fuck Very yeah. Tomorrow, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for the quarantine shit to be over so I can go up to. Uh, I got a buddy in Michigan that runs a. He owns a uh, piercing a tattoo shop. I'm going up to Michigan as soon as we're allowed to travel again to get an implant. I'm getting an implant and a uh, rifid implant in my hand. Oh yeah. So yeah, you give me movable tattoos. Fucking sign me up, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Explain that implant for the layman. It's uh, like if you've ever gone into a hotel where you have to wave a card or an office building where you wave a card in front of a door to be let in, the information on that card can be put in a very small capsule and planted in your the little web between your thumb and your forefinger, and then you wave your hand in front of the door and open the door. Or you could do stuff like uh, credit card or like mm-hmm. smart pay things on it too, right? They're working on that. That's not done just yet there are ways to do that but they go bad after about two years so it's right now that's a temporary thing but there's um there's a company called dangerous oh shit what is it dangerous toys i think is working with some banks in europe to get something more permanent so you can actually have a reloadable card for instant pay in your hand Mm -hmm. so that tech isn't quite here yet but but you can also put other information in it you can make like locks in your house there's locks in your house so you can have your front door it has to be your hand in front of the front door to open the front door safes gun safes computers if you have really high tech stuff on your or really uh sensitive information on your computer you can put a rifid lock on it and have it in your hand i got a buddy that wants to make a gun room with 
with his implant to do that. They've got them now at LEDs too. So when you load it, you get a little blue light flashing through. So nice. I don't even know what I'm going to do with mine. I just want it. <laughs> like, like I don't even have, it's not like I have any of this stuff. There's nothing important on my computer. I got eight terabytes of various porn probably, which I'd share with people if you wanted, but I want it. I want it. I want, I would get the moving tattoos. I would do that tomorrow. I think I, well, I say that, but then, yeah, well, no, yeah. The implanted phone is cool, but I I say that, but now that I think about it, I wouldn't get a black light tattoo and I wouldn't get a glow in the dark tattoo ink. There's some, some things I wouldn't do, but I think, uh, I think if it becomes that accepted and that big, then yeah, absolutely. Sign me the fuck up. I think it'd be cool as shit, man. Have itchy and scratchy, dude. How cool would it be to have itchy and scratchy chase each other all over your body? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Goes into your asshole to hide. Uh, it's a different show. <laughs> it's only for Alice Reserve. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that'd I be cool, the, right? The idea that Ash's tattoos, you know, she has the these you know, <clears throat> tattoos or whatever of, you know, extinct species. that are semi-sentient and they you know they they run and hide from strangers when she's talking (laughs) to people yeah (laughs) um yeah i like that idea yeah it's really cool i think uh yeah i think it's neat and being flayed i don't think i'd go that far i do like i like getting tattooed and i like having tattoos but i don't know that once i run out of room i would go flay off an arm and then regrow skin just so i can get tattooed (laughs) again i don't think maybe call me a lightweight I don't. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's we're we're getting into Clive Barker territory. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, another cool thing that I thought, um, just where we were talking earlier, Gibson dropping you into his stories. In his Q and A, he had said the another part that he really loved was to introduce like a, a version of culture shock. So mm-hmm. like a, along with all of this new technology, like where you're basically kind of playing catch up that whole first half of the book. Uh, I thought that was cool that he enjoys that. And that's one thing that he always looks for, like in his favorite sci-fi books. Uh, he's a very interesting fellow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen all of like the, I guess you attended a and a with him the other day, Aaron. So that was, yeah. How, yeah. how did that, like, what was the, one thing that you took away from that that was like your you know with somebody like us that wasn't able to attend because that was like a private event i think right uh it was ticketed and ticketed so yeah yeah i mean you you know you buy the ticket and you will actually i'll get a uh a paperback copy of agency so now i'll have two copies of it um that's cool Ooh, two books yeah. you need a shelf i know right <laughs> <laughs> um Honestly, I think the thing that I took away from it the most was I I read him as an introvert because he thinks before he speaks. And so it was almost and and here I am doing the same thing. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was about to say it, it, it's not quite painful to listen to, but you are very aware of the gaps and the pauses and, the, you know, where he's just stopping to think before he answers, which is something that I appreciate. And I, I know that I do that myself. Uh, but that was probably the most surprising aspect of it, that and 
he's old, man. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, I, yeah. I, I, every so often I remember that Neuromancer was written in, or came out in 1984. Yeah. That's nuts, right? It just blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, what he has, the time period that he was doing what he was doing. I don't know. It's, it's not Neuromancer is not, doesn't seem dated at all. Mm -mm. You know, even though I guess in some way, you know, this, so one of the things that he talked about, you know, just uh, last week, I guess was the day that Johnny mnemonic took place January 17th, 2021. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And he, he made that comment that I, that I sent to you. Um, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was it? He said future predictive oh, science fiction stories are like ice cream cones. They start melting the moment you finish them. And <laughs> what he was talking about basically is that, you know, it, as soon as you put a date on something and you finish it, if it's in the future, well, time is catching up to that. Right. So eventually, you know, you, you've put this date on something and time will get there. And, not everything is going to be like you wrote down. Um, yeah. And so that, you know, you, you get, a you get around that by not stamping a date on it, but at the same time, you know, you are going to, reality is going to lap it at some point. Um, but I, I feel like that is less the case with him than it is with a lot of other sci-fi. Yeah. Well, well, especially this, because it can all be explained away as a stub. <laughs> right. right? Exactly. Like, I mean, that's just, oh, that <laughs> happened in another, that happened in an alternate stub, in an alternate yeah. universe. That's a thing. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, no, I, I get that. Yeah. There's that sense that it could still happen. Like, like you say, Johnny right. Mnemonic was the other day, but like, it could still happen. Maybe he got the date wrong, but it could totally still happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean. You're talking about the, you know, your RFID implant. Well, right. You get a, a, a hard drive implanted in your brain, and you know you can carry some extra information in there. And right, yeah. <laughs> you have to rewatch Johnny Mnemonic. I haven't seen that for a while. I put it on the other night. Did it? Yeah, it's it's, still... I think it's free on Prime right now or something. Problem. Is it still watchable? Yeah. Nice. Uh, as it ever was. Okay, fair enough. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe, maybe even more so now. Right. Um, just because you, we look on it with greater. We, I, I feel like we as a culture have a greater fondness for Keanu Reeves now than maybe we did then. <laughs> right. Maybe be a little bit more forgiving of uh, his <laughs> his approach to that as right. a as a fledgling actor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had forgotten that uh, Henry Rollins is in that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. And oh, uh, Ice T. Right. It, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, I got, I, yeah, it was a great book. I'm really looking forward to reading Agency. I'm going to take yeah. a break. I want to, when is the next, when is the third book due? Do we have a. He's writing it now. So, a couple years probably. It's hard then. to say. It'll probably okay. be a couple years. I mean, there was. Uh, okay what agency came out in uh agency 20, was 20 20 yeah yeah and uh so that was you know five or six years in between now this one is probably closer than agency was because i think um 
and he even said, you know, he he had started working on agency before the election of 2016. Right. And then had to kind of reevaluate everything when he woke up on that morning and, right. and <laughs> Trump had been elected. Right. Um, yeah, I think I read it. He was having some trouble with it, too. He just he kept trying to write things and it just wouldn't it wouldn't happen. And he had to sort of go back and revisit some stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe we'll get the third book a little faster. But I, I am looking forward to reading Agency. I want to give myself a couple months, I think. But I definitely, yeah, definitely want to hit. And I got to go back yeah, and I'm read the Bridge Trilogy and the, the Sprawl in the Blue Ant Trilogy. Yeah, I got to go back and read Neuromancer and yeah. What, what is that? The Sprawl Trilogy? That's, or? The, That's the Sprawl Trilogy. Neuro, yeah. Neuromancer is the one that started. And like I said, he's the guy. Like you, we were talking about Cyberpunk a lot because of. Um, androids he's the guy gibson it's the guy that invented the term cyberpunk so as much as the aesthetic of cyberpunk with the neon and the rain and the noodle bars and stuff is blade runner and akira a lot of the the tech aesthetic all comes from gibson he's really the sky above the the, port was the color of a television tuned to a dead channel yeah (laughs) Right, like that's, that's just that's, that's the that's, opening line of Neuromancer, and yeah, that just that's like, that's cool. Talk about setting the stage, right? You know? Yeah, like, so he really is like not just a godfather, but the father of all cyberpunk. That's yeah. him, and it, it, between him and Blade Runner and and Akira, that's the that's the genre. It's a shame that it got stuck there. I think there's a lot to do with that genre that other people haven't. But yeah, no Gibson's yeah, and then the Bridge trilogy. I think the Bridge trilogy was my personal favorite it's fantastic but it really is um yeah they're all good all gibson's good mm. most gibson most gibson's good and then if you go a little farther him and bruce sterling wrote a really interesting book called the difference engine which That's was the one that i haven't read i it took me so many tries to get through that book but really? so Char- <laughs> charles babbage invented a steam-powered computer well, he didn't actually invent it, but he had plans for it. And this book supposes that it worked. So we yeah. have 18th century hackers running around with ornate cases of punch cards. Like, and it's just a really, it's a, it's an interesting look back on that sort of cyberpunk history, but everybody's in horse-drawn carriages and shit like that. It's a really. So he not only invented cyberpunk, but also steampunk. Oh shit! I think he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, crap. So yeah, he may, him and Bruce Sterling. He shares the blame on that, if that's true. Yeah. But but that's a that's that's a really interesting one. And then I just learned this tonight. Another thing that Lorelai Lee was in. Um, hmm. Gibson wrote uh, Aliens Three, the full oh, yeah. cast adaptation, and she's in that as well. So oh, really? But he wrote he wrote the Aliens Three full cast adaptation of that, which I thought was odd yeah that i <laughs> that was... i have that i have a pdf of that somewhere of the the script that he wrote for alien 3 that was never used oh that's fine um, and i guess it has been yeah like people have done you know table reads or whatever of that yeah well <laughs> audible has it so. i think i think i actually have it in my collection yeah yeah i have that's, it too oh, nice it was a yeah, free okay. one <laughs> oh that's funny nice. that's yeah there's a reason it's free <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's that's too funny. Well, I wanted to actually, I was reading my notes here and I forgot to mention at the beginning when um, our main character Flynn is first brought into the far future, I guess you would call it. And she's mm-hmm. 
bounced up out of the RV or the truck that she's in, and she's in the gyrocopter or whatever machine she's in, she ends up following that, what they call the backpack. Yeah. And it's like this square object. And I just wanted to talk about that object because I can't think of anything, like trying to think of something that would be more, I don't know, kind of terrifying is hard to do because it's, if you assign like a form, like a body form to it, like an alien or any sort of beast or monster, it's, you know what that is. It's a monster. It's a beast. You can expect like what is going to happen, but then you, you have this, like, I don't know how he even described it. It was like creeping up the side of the building. She, it blended in. It it was like a square at one point and then it looked like a backpack and it was four sided or eight sided. And, the way it was folding up on itself and th- and then the way that it finally killed Alita yeah where it just ate ate her entire body like those like the nano yeah. the assemblers weapons, yeah yeah it's just like the most creepy thing like you can if you had this like inanimate object coming after you i can't imagine like really much else that would be more terrifying it's pretty scary right weird yeah. square yeah. like you, what the hell is this thing yeah. going to do to me it reminds me of the thing in interstellar like the robot that they have with them okay right yeah, yeah. That's, that's walking it actually um because i was thinking of it as maybe a little bit more fleshy and organic looking she said it was kind of like a a pillow and at each of the four <laughs> corners, you know, it was maybe extended a little bit more. So it had these legs or pseudopods or something. Uh-huh. And it was just kind of flipping, you know, <laughs> flipping over and over as it climbed up the building. And it was very, uh, I, I thought more of like, uh, Existence, the Cronenberg hmm. movie. Right. Um, with this kind of, you know, merger of tech and flesh just hard to picture um, but yeah the i mean the assembler stuff and, and you know later on we have those the assembler guns that they take out of this uh baby carriage yeah you know <laughs> that you point it in the general direction of something and it picks a target and releases these these you know cloud Flash of nanobots bots. that just <laughs> yeah just disassemble anything organic yeah um and that, I mean, speaking of uh, Neil Stevenson again, I, I was kind of primed for the the whole idea of nanotech by his book, The Diamond Age, um, which is another another fantastic one, and that really imagines a future where uh, nanotech is prevalent and the same kind of idea that anything can be assembled or disassembled from anything else right right Um, yeah and it's called the diamond age then because it's far easier to make diamond than Mm -hmm. just about anything else because it's just carbon oh right so all of the windows in buildings and things are made of diamond because you (laughs) can just make it you know Um, that's too cool huh yeah. yeah more uh more homework i guess that's another another great one yeah i've been meaning to come back to for a while that'd be a good one yeah yeah but again this is you know this the idea of these assemblers are something that he just kind of takes for granted in this book right that you know he doesn't explain them all that much Uh uh-uh but Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's it's something that is you know made its way into uh, the public consciousness, or at least you know sci-fi nerd consciousness, um, <laughs> in the last <laughs> oh yeah you know, twenty years or whatever. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. was almost I right at the end when the little parrot-headed gun came up out of the the granite. Yeah. I was almost going to say like when I, maybe first read through, it was like, is that not just the, the hand of, or the machine of God, the Deus ex machina or whatever. Right. Like right. <laughs> it's, Oh, how does Flynn get out of this? Oh, look, there's a gun, but it's not yeah. because <laughs> like it's all there. Right. I mean, it's all there to begin with. There mm-hmm. could be a question is how does Lobier actually set that up? But it doesn't matter how Lobier sets that up. You know, she can, if right. ha- if if El Habib can do it, then Lobier can certainly fucking do it. Yeah. So, yeah. but I, yeah, no, that was, yeah, and like you say, like the nanotech stuff has been. We've been hearing about nanotech for decades now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even Star Trek talks about it. That's yeah, yeah. So, yeah. all in all, it was great. Anybody listening that's interested yeah. in it, read it. Don't be scared off because we're saying it's hard. Read it. Go into <laughs> it. No, go into it knowing you're going to do it twice. Yeah, and it, it will be worth it. It'll be totally mm-hmm. worth it. The second read through or the second listen through was so so good and so rewarding yeah. and catching on totally all the little rewarding. the little little stuff, like you say, just the little things. Yeah, the very and if, you know very if you filled out universe. If you're really struggling with it, maybe try pattern recognition. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, like I say, that was my Rosetta Stone for Gibson. Um, yeah. So maybe it helped me recognize his patterns. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He actually said something. He used the term pattern recognition in this book too. I caught, I forgot to, I, I remember that, was, that yeah. but I saw that. I was like, wait a minute. Are you referencing your own work? Are you allowed to do that? Is that how fucking cool you are? You can do that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's, I thought that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say a big thank you to Aaron for coming on the yes. show tonight. Yeah, it was rad, it's man. Thank you. Really Thank cool. You guys. Have, it was yeah. Yeah, it was great yeah. to do this. Have you as our first and, guest, man? It's yeah, really Christianing the show for us. Yeah, that's right. As we could say. Yeah. We're still in the single digits, so that's pretty cool that you were able to get into <laughs> yeah. yep. beat, yep. beat the rush early on. <laughs> <We're> always <laughs> always happy to uh to talk sci fi. Uh, yeah, I'd say cool. it sounds yeah. like you have a wealth of knowledge and we certainly I don't love to get have you on opportunity. in the future. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. with your uh, godlike voice, I, uh, <laughs> I was telling Gavin, uh, I, don't, yeah. I think you should do Audible because he sent me that short clip that you had read of the the Rat King, Rat King, King Rat, and, yeah, uh, King Rat, yeah, or King Rat, yeah. And yeah. I was very impressed. I, th- I thought <laughs> I could definitely listen to a book here, right? With uh, your voice, so. right? Well, yeah, I did. There are there are a few things that I want to do in that regard, so. Yeah, pretty well, cool. Uh, you have the full financial support of the Holograms Media Club yep. behind you. <laughs> you certainly do. Excellent, excellent. You have okay. big can money you, uh, you behind all the shares at Cassie Mart. That's right. You can have a you can have a hundred percent of the proceeds from this episode. <laughs> all, right. all right. Can you uh, can you out buy uh, Milagros Cold Iron? That's not the, not just question. yet. Not just yet. Okay. I've got okay. some I've got some shit in the works. I got some phone calls to make. All right. <laughs> Right. Talk to our girl. That's Ash. right. Talk to Ash yeah. a little. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. 
Uh, <laughs> well, we cool. can't wait to have you on again in the future. Um, yeah. I'd have to say, I think it's my turn to pick the book for our next episode. It is. And uh, I didn't have enough time to really do any <laughs> heavy research into the book just because I was really spending a lot of my time listening to the peripheral this past couple of weeks and just uh, watching William Gibson on YouTube. If you guys are out there and want more William Gibson stuff, he's definitely got a lot of videos on YouTube, a lot of cool yeah. like Q&A work. So mm -hmm. totally check that out. But my next book... For you, I was really surprised to hear that you have not read The Martian Chronicles oh God, by right. Ray oh God. Bradbury. There it is. Um, it's kind of definitely one of the original classics uh, written in 1946. And it kind of takes place with a bunch of short stories. And I think it's kind of like in three parts from what I can remember, where the short stories are you could break them down into three parts um, and they take place like he actually wrote them to take place between 1999 and the year 2057. So we're pretty much right smack dab in the middle of his story. Cool. Where we are now. Um, and it basically involves USA uh, coming into Mars and the Martians response to humans coming down or uh, i guess i should say people from the uh earth coming down and i don't want to really spoil too much for anybody that's going to be reading it that hasn't checked it out right. yet so definitely. if you're going to be tuning into next episode definitely read that it's not a very long book um i think it's only a couple hundred pages and it's definitely a really cool easy book to read it's like i said it's short stories so cool you can pick it up and just read for a couple minutes and get a lot out of it so cool. i'll do it What's next a... i just started yeah. phantom menace today so i'll finish phantom menace <laughs> <laughs> yeah that martian chronicles yeah. would be a a gap in my in mine as well so i'll really? definitely be taking that as some homework to that's cool. That's good. I don't feel so guys. bad, Don. I know it's it's one of those that like everybody should do. Like right, right. Yeah. And I'm surprised that I hadn't. But we were talking, and I was like, "Shit, I, I just haven't." I feel yeah a little embarrassed about uh, that. But I will correct the that. narrator's really good too. So you'll is it Laura Lai King? <laughs> yeah, easy to listen to. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Laura Lai. <laughs> I would pay for that. I would not pirate Aaron's work. Also, <laughs> well, no, that's not true. I would. I just wouldn't yeah, tell yeah, you. Yeah. I pirated my own kids. My kid's in a band, and he put his shit out on SoundCloud for five bucks. I pirated that. <laughs> so. That's hardcore. Well, you should. Hey, you man, made I, it until your 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 music being pirated, or until people are pirated. That's you, what you know? I told him. I was like, Good man, point. it's Good not. Point. It's if it's not worth stealing, it's not worth doing. <laughs> <laughs> so cool all right well i'll do that thank you again aaron it was a lot of fun we'll yes, definitely thank you guys. we'll definitely really have to have it. you back if nothing else for agency let's do agency with aaron aaron can be our gibson, oh, yeah. our gibson guy that would be really cool yep if you get into not to not to pigeonhole know. you into one author but <laughs> no any uh like i said like i said at the beginning uh any gibson any uh neil stevenson yeah uh you know more philip k dick yeah that's you know 
that's in my wheelhouse. So cool. bread and butter. <laughs> cool. Yep. Good awesome, deal, man. Cool guys. All right. Really cool. Appreciate it. And uh, well, this has been the Hologram Media Club podcast. See you next we'll see episode. Y'all. Yeah, next time. Later. Bye. Stop that and stop. Zoom. There we go. All right. Cool. That was good. Oops. Stop.